What's the worst that could happen? What is the absolute worst that could happen? You don't need to hear this from me, but just in case you were unsure, it's a new year. Wow. So if you're just coming off holidays and you, you know, it's like coming off holidays, we have just done that. Sometimes you're not sure what day it is on holidays. It's a Tuesday or Wednesday and you've got to check your watch or your phone. Well, it is a new year. A new year connotates all sorts of new opportunities, doesn't it? Wow, it's going to be great. Remember when we said that about 2020? Who remembers January 2020 coming off those holidays? Wow, like it's got two 20s in it. That means 2020 vision for all those organizations and churches are saying, it's going to be our 2020 vision, we're going to see all this happen, and then something big happened and we all just stopped for two years. Because we know that New Year's bring new opportunities, but what also do they bring, friends, and what do we suspect? What do we kind of hope doesn't happen, but New Year's brings what? Oh, problems. A new year can bring new problems. Problems we never even imagined. Disasters we would never design. Particular things we'd never pray for. We wonder as we sang that song, could I say, if it happens to me in 2023, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. A new year can bring new fears for us all. Uh, Sometimes we try and face those fears with the shrug of the shoulders and we just say, well, this is very Australian, by the way. Well, there could be scary things, but what's the worst that could happen? And that's our response, isn't it? Psalm 46 is a song by an Old Testament band, the Sons of Korah, singing not just about how we're feeling now, yet where will you and I go when trouble comes in 2023? Now, here's the obvious answer. God. There it is. Let's pray, friends. The sermon is over. That's a wrap. We're done here. That's the obvious answer, isn't it? If you want to go, well, you know, look, cuts of the chase. It's God, right? I'm supposed to go to God. I'm in a church. That's, you know, let's just put it out there. That's what we're about. Psalm 46 is more than just you should go to God. It gets us to question, why don't we? Like, why don't we naturally do that? Why do we need all the supernatural help in the world, all his word to do that? You see, aside from cutting the sermon short and, you know, we say it around here, sermonettes make Christianettes. Not that, you know, overly long sermons make overly growing Christians. But we want to go in deep into Psalm 46 and look and let it go deep into our hearts, asking, what is the worst that could happen... And why wouldn't I go to God in that circumstance this year? And so as we go to Psalm 46, Rory read it, I want us to see four simple yet profound things. Firstly, even if it's worst case scenario. Secondly, God is with us. Thirdly, so come and behold his work. And fourthly, and know that he is God. So let's, let's just start with considering what is a worst-case scenario. There's a few psalms 
in the, in the Bible, a few Psalms in the book of Psalms, that celebrate how God is always with us, that he is a protector, he is a provider. Lots of Psalms do that. We, you probably know Psalm 23. It's a pretty common one. If I enter a hospital and talk with someone who doesn't even have much to do with church in their life, they may have heard Psalm 23 somewhere. Usually even big disasters bring it out. Politicians are even quoted. But Psalm 46 is the kind of the, the other famous psalm, but less known by the world perhaps. But right at the gate, verse 1, God. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let's just pause there. That needs to be said because of that last word in that verse. Trouble. And then you look at what kind of trouble could come. The Bible is the most realistic book in the world. Here is the kind of trouble that could come, like, let's, let's have a look at all the sorts of things that you could, and the language of the things you could feel even. The things that you could feel, and you know this, you felt this. Have you ever felt like in life, you've received news, you've heard something, and you're standing there listening to the person telling you, and it just feels like the earth is giving way. Like it feels like everything you believed or thought or, or was trusting was going to happen in your day, everything's different now by the news you just received, and it just feels like you're going to fall over. Have you ever felt like that? That's this word, that's this, this clause. Though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. This is the language of life has all of a sudden become totally disorientating. Because look, let's, let's be honest. Mountains do move into the sea, don't they? How do they do that? It takes a long time. Lots of rain, weather events. Eventually, if you were to stay there long enough or you had a friend who knew photography that could do it, you would see incrementally millimetres of mountains moving into the ocean. It's just erosion, right? But this is the language of all of a sudden. This is the language of, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't watching with my camera. I didn't have it on the kind of the slow motion. It just came. The mountains moved into the sea right now, though that would happen to you. And though, as that happens, then the waters of that sea roar and foam. It just keeps going. Like the mountains moved on Tuesday when I received this news, but on Wednesday it kept going. In fact, it goes for years. This is the language of the end of the world, yes. It's the language of the end of the world as we know it. An old band in the 90s, R.E.M., if anyone knows who that is, sang that song. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel Fine. It's fine to sing about it and you know, make movies about it. Hollywood, like if Hollywood's kind of running a bit low, got some actors with a bit of spare time in the autumn, let's just make a disaster movie and everyone dies except the hero with the muscles. Like, that works, right? We watch it. We pay for it. We love the, wow, imagine if the end of the world happened like this. But this description here is a description of, what about it's the end of your world? It's a description of the whole world and it's your world. And I want you to know something else. Church, it's our world. The language of Psalm 46 is plural. Do you notice this? Have a look. Verse 1, God is our 
refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way. So easy to think that Christianity, Christian life is the individual life, isn't it? But this is addressed to the church. This is addressed to God's people. Plural, us, we. We might go through this together and when someone else's world falls apart, sometimes that means our world falls apart. When a church is affected, we all feel it. Sometimes life can be chaos on a daily basis. Sometimes it can be a never-ending season of just languishing in incremental loss. Friends, I know in this church, many of you have experienced acute loss. Like loss that maybe the rest of the church, we know about it. And sometimes there's things we, we just haven't shared yet or don't feel like we can revisit, but we've experienced loss. And if you haven't, well, life will come for you in many ways and loss comes to us. The Apostle James writes, trials of various kinds. They don't come as trial in a box and you can pick your trial. You don't get to pick and they come in so many different forms. Loss happens to us all. So consider this. For those of you who have had loss or those of you who are wondering what would loss look like for me if I haven't yet, what would be taken away? What would cause your world to move, the floor to kind of give way in your life. For me, I barely want to think about it because I know what I love dearly. I know who I love dearly. And to even think about what would it be like if I lost that, it just makes me think about something else. But where would I go? Who do I go to? What would end your world? Loss of your job? Perhaps love lost? Perhaps as you got older you realised, I've actually lost the approval of my parents. Perhaps you've lost missing out that big break. You've had unmet expectations. The loss of youth. The loss of involvement in sport. I used to be able to do that and now I'm 30 and retired and done. Crushes many a sports person. Financial insecurity. Loss of status, loss of life, death. And our world lives with loss and and then often dramatises it. So you only have to open the news app and you see there's, there's more to worry about today, isn't there? Like I thought we had enough to worry about yesterday. I should have Jesus' words ringing in my ears about worry, but I opened the app. Like this morning, I've written this sermon, and then this morning, because I just, I don't know, I play on Twitter. It's an interesting field to play on. This morning, someone wrote what they think will happen in Australia this year. And they had the thread, you know, the one, two, three, because Elon hasn't changed it to the full thing yet. But you're going through the thread, and I'm just like, I could feel my heart rate increase. <gasps> These are all political predictions. What will happen to this party? What will happen? And none of this is potentially, who knows what will happen? But as I read it, having written this sermon, I could feel myself rise in my fear. (gasps) What if that happens? What if the interest rates do this? What if that happens? What if China, Ukraine, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's always something to fear. 
But the psalmist writes, God is currently, not was, is, and not just for those other people, but our strength and refuge. Verse 2, therefore, the only conclusion that we can draw is this. We will not fear. See, God cares for us as a community and he speaks to his church that could face lots of fears and says, I am with you. In fact, he says it a lot in the Bible. We've seen this in our series last year. We'll see it again. We are safe because God is with us. Verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And this sings of God's dwelling with his people. In a couple of senses, it's got a kind of double meaning. In one sense, if you're an Old Testament person of God, and you've got Psalm 46, and where you think of streams and the city of God and Zion, you think of Jerusalem. But more than that, and it's why we read our cross-reference passage, we always have a cross-reference passage from Revelation 22, because the big picture is of a city, the city of God, where there is a river, a river of life. And that is a city where God dwells and will be with him forever. But for the moment, with that picture in mind, with that prayer, that dream, that longing for that, wherever God's people are, there is God. God is with his people. And whatever happens, his people will not fall. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when morning dawns. You see, though mountains, look at the language, though mountains be moved, verse 2, mountains might be moved. Not God's city. Verse 6, we see nations rage. But what happens to God's people? Now, verse 6, you see verse 6 there, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Isn't this our experience? It's the language of Psalm 2 as well, isn't it? Why do the nations rage and people's plot in vain? What is this nations rage language about? Well, it's not the kind of Australian version of MTV that used to be on Saturday mornings and now I can never find it anymore and it's got old songs on it. Now, rage, it's, it's expressing anger, like a deep, profound, intentionally directed anger that involves plotting. So it's not the kind of like, ow, hit my toe, that hurt. It's I'm angry with someone and I'm going to work out a way to pour my anger out on them. So this is the language here. And we look at verse 6, the nations rage, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The nations, the peoples, who are they plotting in vain against? Who are they raging against? It's God. And as it's God, it's also God's people. We feel this in our part of the world. Uh, and we welcome people from the nations. So recently, if you've moved to Australia and some of this is new and you didn't know what I was talking about, that cultural reference, preachers shouldn't use cultural references, they date so fast. Rage is a video, music video platform. That's something you can watch and enjoy, but there is a real rage in Australia that is an anger that's lately, if you've noticed, you just watch the news, is often expressed towards the church. It's expressed towards God's people, to God himself. 
Now, yes, and we've said it before and we've written about it and churches, we talk about this, there are things that we need to say we're sorry for. And by the way, everyone does, don't we? But as much as our society struggles with forgiveness, struggles with rage, what this is talking about is the kind of rage that is undue, but the world wants to bring it, and it's the kind of rage, you see it, our political leaders of our nation, or our state, our thought leaders, our social commentators, it's almost become a spectator sport to rage against the church and God's people, to rage against God himself, hasn't it? And what happens when you watch that? Like, you might watch the shows that do that. You might see our polit- political leaders do that sometimes. Maybe they've had a bad day and they said something they would regret later, but they said something about the Bible or the church or God and you feel like, ooh, I'd be scared of that person if they found out I was a Christian. You felt that before? It's that kind of rage. Now, here's where I want to go. What is our temptation, church, when we see that kind of rage? We respond with rage. Don't we? See, our temptation is, we look at the nation's rage, and so we go, oh, you want to fight? All right, then. We'll get angry too. And here's how we're going to do it. Gloves off, you bunch of idiots. I'm going to hit the comments page and write some stuff in return. Does it ever work? But aside from the pragmatic no, there is a better way to speak in return to the nation's raging or our neighbour's raging. And that better way can come from a heart that has a confidence in knowing when God utters his voice, the earth melts. The best way to address is with God's word. So we look deeply into God's word. How does God's word speak into this rage? How does God's word speak into this? And first, before it speaks to others, how does he speak to me in my heart that could have so much rage in response? How does he help me have confidence that God is my refuge and strength? You see, if you've got God, you've got everything. Yes, they'll threaten to take things away. Civil liberties, rights, whatever it's called, whatever language, that's that's possible. But in 2023, God is still, he is still our refuge and strength. And his word in Psalm 46 calms our soul, our hearts, and helps us to speak calmly of him to others. Who sometimes, I'm not even sure if they know what they're raging about. They need to know the God that actually they're so angry with. And here for God's people is such confidence that he is with us. And how do you know God is with us? It doesn't have to be you've got to go to Jerusalem. And yes, we long for Revelation 22, that picture to come, but he's with us because Jesus has come. Jesus gives us confidence that God is with us. Jesus tells us he is with us. And when Jesus tells us in Matthew's Gospel, we see Matthew's Gospel is bookended by, remember Christmas time, what's the start of Matthew's Gospel? Emmanuel, which means... God with us. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, book ended with, what does Jesus say? I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. And how is he with us? He has sent his spirit. 
The same Spirit who breathed these words into the Bible, into being in your page in front of you, is the same Spirit. He is speaking to you. He is giving you words to calm your heart, to know that He is with you. He's in the room now. The wonderful things about Christianity is we're actually talking about, preaching about the one who's with us now, the Spirit of Christ. He is with us, church. He is truly with us to the end. Whatever happens. We know so much that he's with us because even in our own mess and our own rage, our own sin, in all our wrong and all our weakness, he is the one who came to us to be with us, to die for the sins of his people. It's Jesus himself who goes into the heat of trouble. It's Jesus himself who goes into the rage of Calvary. It is Jesus himself who takes the mocking and the beating and the absolute teeth gnashing rage of people against God. And he takes it to a cross. And then he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the one who's with us. Look, if I want someone who's got this, who's with us in whatever happens in 2023, I want that guy. I want to be with him. I need him to be with me in whatever happens because he's been through all loss. He's been through it all. And he did it for your salvation and hope. So verses 8 and 9, come and behold this again. You look at verse 8 there, come and behold uh, is actually a plural again. So it's, hey, everyone. It's not just, you know, hey, Rory. It's everyone, church, Come and have a look again. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. Look at this, verse 9. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now you've got to ask a question. Ah, when did that happen? Like, wars cease to the end of the earth? Well, each week we've been praying for Ukraine. When is that going to end? Now, it may well be that in 2023, the war in Ukraine does come to a sudden laborious halt. It just stops and somehow... But don't you suspect... Do you think that's the last war? Because then... Well, go back to Twitter, our friend on Twitter. And then what happens over here in this other place in China? And blah, blah, blah. Like it just, is, it, is it the last war? A war is completely gone. When does this happen? Who brings an end to war? Who brings a desolation to human evil? Who stops it in its track forever? The Old Testament people of God are waiting for the New Testament. They're waiting for Jesus, aren't they? This is the advent of Christmas. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. When Jesus comes to save and gather his church, what is the worst thing that could happen to you? And I want you to think about this. If you're new to Christianity... What is the worst thing that could happen to you without Jesus? So think on this. What is the worst thing that happened to you and you don't have that guy with you? When the Bible speaks about people that are lost, Jesus uses this language. He speaks about the lost. He's come to seek and save the lost. He's not using that word as a kind of a name-calling thing. Sometimes it can look like the church kind of name calls. We're not doing that. We're not going, hey, you lost people, you bunch of idiots. We're not doing that. 
So when we look at lost, there's another word that should come far, very close, wrong word, close, not far, should come very close with the word lost is love. Why does the Bible, why does Jesus speak about the lost? Because people without Jesus are truly lost. They are people of loss. Because if you don't have Jesus in your life, whatever happens in 2023, you will experience acute loss that will be hard, but you'll also have loss forever without Jesus in your life. This is the message of Psalm 46 to you. So if you know you've lived your life for anything but God, if he hasn't been with you, when worst case scenario comes, you could actually lose everything. Because if everything you've got in your world is this and you don't have Jesus, if you lose this, you don't have anything. And here's the thing about everything you have without Jesus, everything you have, that, put anything in that box or in between my hands. If that is everything Russ has, it's here, this is it. If that's everything I have, everything in that box can be taken away. Everything in that box can be lost. Can't it? There is not a thing in that box you can hold on to in life and death. It can all be gone. Kerry Packer was the richest man in Australia once. You may have never heard of him, but... For a child growing up in the 90s, he was kind of a big deal. Richest man in Australia. How much money did Kerry Packer have when he died? If you're in reforming, you know the answer to this. How much money did he have when he died? Zero. Because he died. He had nothing left. You can't take a thing in this life with you. If you don't have Jesus, think of anything that's precious to you. It can all be taken away. But here is the good news, what the Bible calls gospel. Jesus can never be taken away. No matter what happens, he is still with you. You can't lose Jesus if he is with you. Not even death can take Jesus away because he is your shepherd. This is the message of Psalm 46 to you. God cannot be lost if he's with you. So be still and know that he is God. And then this last point, we sang a song, an old hymn. I grew up with this one. Be still and know that I'm God. It's a very gentle tune, isn't it? But I want you to notice, firstly, the be still, firstly, is it's more of a be quiet. Well, that changed the dynamic in the room a bit, didn't it? <laughs> Wasn't talking to you guys. It's okay. Children are to be seen and heard. No worries. <laughs> but the language of verse 10 is, is firstly to the nations, to the rage, to the noise of what's going on. It's be still, be quiet. I'm God. You're not. Which is actually good news. It's good news that I'm not God. Whew. It's good news that you're not God. You don't rule your life. It's good news that no one else is your God, but the true and living God. The true I am. The true I will be God. Notice this, in a world of turmoil, our world needs such a rebuke. It's actually the same kind of language we see in the New Testament. Someone else says something like this, doesn't he? 
You might know the story. There's that guy again, and he's in a boat with his friends, his disciples, and they just think he's one of he's just an ordinary guy. They're sort of struggling with who is this guy. But they're in a boat, and there's a big storm, and they're fishermen, and they're scared. We know the story. It's, it's, well, if you don't, it's quite profound. Go and look it up. So you go to Mark chapter 4, and they say this, Hey, teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. We're dying here. You're not caring. And what does that guy do? I'll give it away. His name's Jesus, by the way. He wakes up. And what does he do? He rebukes the wind and the sea. And what does he say? Be still. And notice this. As that wind ceased, there was a great calm. Look what happens here. As God says with his word to the nations, be still, the same word that rebukes our enemies and all our fears, the same word that rebukes our enemies is the same word that gives us a great calm. Isn't that wonderful? The same word that rebukes our enemies is the same word that gives us calm. For God says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And how is he exalted among the nations? It's the gospel. The good news. The good news that Jesus is with us. That Jesus did die for our sins, rise for our hope, and he will return as king. He is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. He is the king and he is with us. The gospel. We saw in our Genesis series, God says this to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the nations. How will God be exalted among the nations? Through the blessing who is himself. It's not some God's going to make it more safer till Christ returns. It's not just that God's going to give us some prosperity or interest rates will go down and then we'll say God saved us. No, God is going to save us as the gospel is preached and heard and believed. That's how God is saving the humans. The gospel. Good news. God is with us. Friends, you and I need that gospel in 2023. And so do our friends. You don't need a tract. You don't need particular training. You don't need to be a preacher. And they're all good things. All you need in 2023 is when someone says to you, I've just felt like my world fell beneath me. You can say, you know what? Over coffee even. I felt that. But I want to hear your story. And as you hear your story, let me tell you who has helped me. When I've experienced loss, I know who's with me. I know who is my refuge and my strength. I know who is my help in trouble. And I've been in trouble. Would you like to listen to his words too? Would you like to know Jesus? It's pretty simple. Our friends need it. They're longing to know in a year of trouble to come, who's got this? Talk about that guy.
What's the worst that could happen to us? What's the worst case scenario? I think the worst thing is not beholding Christ, actually. Not believing he is with you. That's actually the worst thing. Aside from what could happen to you, the worst thing could be in 2023, we don't continually behold and believe in Jesus. I was joking recently. I think I've used this joke before. So I know that you know, some of my sermon illustrations get reheated. And this one is about country life again. Yes. But 2023 is a new year. No more farming illustrations for me. Just from the Bible. We'll see. But there's a joke about country music. What happens when you play country music backwards? You get your farm back. You get your dog back. You get your, you know, your ute back. But Jesus, Jesus, he is truly the reverser, the restorer, because he is the death reverser. He is the restorer. He is the wiper of tears. And Jesus is the one who can never be taken away. I was reading about Psalm 46, and apparently the reformer Luther, Martin Luther, when he used to hear some discouraging news... He would say, because he often suffered spiritual anxiety, so he'd he'd be a bit of a worrier like me, maybe that's you, but if you heard some discouraging news, you know what he'd do? He'd say, hey, let's go and sing Psalm 46. Hey, why don't we do that now? Let's pray. Let's sing Psalm 46. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you for Jesus the death reverser, the death defeater, the sin crusher, the one who comes, that we get to behold and believe in him, that he is with us to the end of the age. Jesus is our strength and refuge, a very present help in trouble. And so we pray, help us to believe that, to be able to share that with others, and so hold on to that hope we have in him. For our sake as a church, but also for our neighbours, Even for the raging nations, we pray. And for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.